Champions are made in November, and it's mid-November. This is Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young, joined by Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins. We are partners with Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. So if you like to drink in your backyard, this is the show for you. Thanks for watching Around the League from UGASports.com. Let's just get into the biggest game of the week, guys. And Brent, I'll start with you because we have Alabama at Ole Miss, and I, I saw you quote tweet SEC shorts today with their joke about Alabama's playbook, and it's just Bryce Young do something, and it seems like that's kind of what Alabama is right now. It really is. It's just staggering to watch them and watch what they've become over the past two years. It's literally, I mean, it was perfectly said by the SEC shorts people to me. Like, it's hopefully my, Bryce can make something happen because he's scrambling around and, you know, just looking at – couple of different things. One, the last two seasons, Bama has now played eight games decided by less than seven points. Not seven, less than seven. The previous six years, it was nine. So the domination factor is completely and utterly gone. But two, in those eight games, Bryce played in seven of them. The average number of dropbacks he's had in those eight or in those seven in seven games that he played, 51. Like they just keep asking him to. I mean, he's really daggone good, but they keep asking him to be Superman, and you can't live on the edge like that. And maybe Ole Miss can finally take advantage of it. It's going to be interesting to see how Lane adapts in this game versus what he was a season ago when it was let's go forward on fourth down every time. Yeah, I mean they're uh, a back team, and they they're really successful against the lesser teams, but against the better teams that that pressure him, then it's a scramble for your life. And um, I, I know Coach Saban has seen that team evolve like that, but I don't think they really uh, were counting on not having any running game. But when they force a running game, it looks pretty good. They just don't stay after it very much. But, uh, you know, certainly the fact that you've lost two games by one by, you know, a field goal at the buzzer and then one a two-point play at the buzzer um, – doesn't mean you're a terrible team, but it means you're out of the play. That's the way it is for Nick and, and the boys. But, uh, you know, this is going to be a pivotal game for uh, if Lane's going to get over the hump at Ole Miss. You got to win a big game like this. You're playing at home. You got the crowd. You got the, the good running attack, which, you know, kind of fits into Alabama's forte. They're pretty good against the run, but they, they have time against a mobile quarterback that's running these uh, type of plays a dart run so I think it's going to all boil down to can can Ole Miss get enough stops and can dart take care of the ball because when Alabama is good they create loss yardage plays and they create some turnovers to make it easier on the offense so uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say the king is dead but uh, he's out there in the moat and some alligators are coming after him right now <laughs> the, the old uh you know, the way we used to talk about the uh, Dragons and everything. But uh, it's certainly a changing of the guard the way uh, George has taken over this league. Alabama's a 12-point favorite on the road at Ole Miss. That is the CBS 330 Eastern game. Coach, I would think the typical game plan when you have the running backs that Ole Miss does with Judkins and, and Zach Evans is to try to put this game in the mud and keep Alabama's offense off the field. But that's not necessarily what Lane Kiffin historically does. Do you see them trying to just put this game uh, to bed and just limit possessions? No, that's not their style. They run so fast. I mean, they're a lot like Tennessee, but they don't throw the ball down the field. But they really rely on 
uh, you getting lined up late. And I'm sure they were encouraged, by the way, uh, Alabama couldn't do it against Tennessee. So uh, it's hard to milk the clock when you're running all those plays very quickly, particularly if you get threes and that three and outs. But they can't change their uh, style to uh, try to keep Alabama off the field. I just think they got to play understanding it might be a high-scoring game. I, I really think that's their best chance is just, you know, make some big plays in the running game and hope that uh, that Alabama's corners don't play feast or famine. I mean, you look at Alabama against uh, Tennessee, this really struggled. But against Mississippi State, their corners were outstanding. They played every play they had to and just nullified. They had some drop balls too. But uh, which kind of Alabama corners are you going to see in this game? And Brent, I, I kind of wanted to ask you too, like if, if Ole Miss finds a way to win this, then the SEC West, not only is Alabama already kind of out of the picture for that in the playoff, but if Ole Miss finds a way, then Ole Miss LSU all of a sudden. Still alive. Ole Miss is 100% still alive because LSU's got to go play two games at Arkansas this week. Uh, and then another, I think A&M, which still you can lose at any point. And what's interesting the, is the number you brought up. Alabama going on the road to face 11th-ranked Ole Miss, one-loss Ole Miss, is a 12-point favorite. LSU going on the road to a four-loss Arkansas team is a three-point favorite. That's what Vegas sort of tells you in terms of the, what they saw with the outcome of the LSU-Alabama game, just the coin flip that it was. So, I, Ole Miss, it, it's like Coach said, it, it's, na- it's now for Lane. Like, it's, this is the time Alabama's down. They've been beat twice now. You got to get them here. This is the time to get them. Let's go to the next game here. And I'm going to stick with you, Brent, because Coach and I have talked a ton about it already. Georgia at Mississippi State, number one ranked Bulldogs against uh, the unranked Bulldogs. Georgia, a 16-point favorite on the road. That's a 7 o'clock Eastern time kick on ESPN. But if you're smart, you'll have the watch-along show from UGASports.com on your side screen with Jim Donnan and Roddy Nabolsi. Not me. I'm going to be in Starkville checking this game out in the 40-degree weather on the sideline. Awesome. We're on to the Bulldogs. What was that you asked me? We're on to the Bulldogs. <laughs> I, I like I, I could see that that's kind of all week something that Kirby Smart is saying, hey, we just beat Tennessee. Yay. We're on to Mississippi State and, and sort of the Belichickian phrase. But this game now becomes ginormous because especially with a younger team, what have we seen with the younger Georgia team this year? gone on the road and struggled you've played some lesser opponents at home and struggled like now i guess you kind of ramp up to this three or four game stretch where you you win this week and i think you clinch the east but can you do that because mississippi state has struggled against some of the better teams but they they also i think one of the things i i talk with dane about coaches with with mike leach and his own personality that's why i think you get ebbs and flows with their team but the number one team coming in this week, home game, night game, they're going to be completely and utterly jacked up. But the interesting thing is with Levis, or not Levis, but Will Rogers, Wills, Will Rogers, his game against Georgia two years ago, I think it was his second start, almost 80% completion. He's only bested that in three games the rest of the last two seasons. So he played extremely well against Georgia his first time around. Has Georgia learned from that two years? Have they taken some of the things from Sanford? Because Sanford's very much defensively as well as offensively like Mississippi State. Should they should they win? Should they dominate? Yes. But you never know in college football in 2022. 
Yeah, it's such a high standard now for Georgia. Everybody expects you to go out and just uh, steamroll people like they have these two teams in the top six in the uh, playoffs. You know, you look at Oregon and uh, Tennessee. I mean, but the, the thing that happened a couple years ago, Georgia decided to play uh, three-man rush and keep the ball in front of them, and Rodgers just hit every play they had to, and they made some fourth-down conversions. And they really pressured us. You know, uh, JT Daniels had a big game throwing the ball, but we had trouble with that 3-3-5 look, and they, they really got a lot of underneath uh, stops where they got us from the backside or linebackers run through. I think we're a lot better off in offensive line equipped to stop this uh, pressure package that – that uh, Mississippi State presents. And uh, defensively, we've got uh, the kind of people on the back end that will challenge these guys. But it's pretty much like uh, anybody that's got any sense that can read. When they throw for over 300 yards, they win. They're six six wins. When they're under 300, they get beat. Uh, They got stomped by Kentucky because they couldn't run or pass. Uh, They had the game one against LSU, and they went into the fetal position and then against Alabama when they had a chance to make plays they kept dropping passes so uh, it's a little bit of you're either going to beat yourself against Georgia Mississippi State or you're going to make enough plays to stay in the game I think Georgia understands what's at stake Uh, you know uh, we've just got to take care of the football down there and I really look for Stetson Bennett to air it out though that's the best way to, to work against this secondary is you know, just uh, play action pass, hold those backers, throw underneath them. Uh, should be uh, an interesting game, but I still feel like Georgia's got a good plan for them. And if you get a lead, you can get your fish sandwich and your lemonade and go find a shade tree and, and go on from there. <laughs> right? I guess so. <laughs> Although there won't be chairs on the sideline. That we do know. Unless there will not be chairs. Uh, have earned those back. You have to they eat not, standing. Yeah. Yeah. I look back at Mike Leach, though, and I remember the game. Uh, that they played Texas when Texas was number one and he was at Texas Tech and uh, they had that long pass down the boundary and, and uh, the guy made the big, big catch and they beat Texas for a big upset. Uh, when they were number one, he's probably telling his players that, hey, I've been in those kind of games before and, you know, we're going to you know go shoot the guns against these guys. But, you know, what's incredible is how many times they go for it on fourth down, particularly on their end of the field. I mean – Cadillac Williams the other night on his own 25. I couldn't believe that in the first half, but that was his first. Watch your microphone, Coach. First entree into the game, uh, being the head coach. But uh, it, I was really surprised the way Alabama's uh, lost to LSU without any running game. And then you see uh, Auburn come in there and run the ball on Mississippi State like they did. It looked like old uh, Cadillac Williams running that tall sweep the other night. You mentioned uh, Leach, and, and I'm to the point that Leach and Chris Hatcher, I kind of feel like it's it's the movie thing with the like six or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever that is. I think everything comes back to Valdosta State with football because, Coach, I saw this. So the Indianapolis Colts, you know, they hired Jeff Saturday to be their interim coach. Well, their play caller this weekend is a 30-year-old Parks Frazier. Well, Parks Frazier played for Chris Hatcher at murray state uh, he also worked with buster faulkner uh at arkansas state but the fact that i went looking through this and it stuns me that with all the people that are connected back to chris hatcher in some way as when kirby and Muschamp are he right. is still not even 50 years old right well 
Well, Brent, you got a chance, man. You, you've been calling those plays there for you and Pollock. I mean, maybe Pollock's going. Somebody's going to call on him to be the head coach, and you can come in there and run the offense. I, I'm still holding out hope, Coach. Still holding out hope. <laughs> All these 30 year olds getting the play calling duties in the NFL. It's a crazy world. Yep. All right, let's uh, take a break here. And if you want to enjoy your shade tree in the spring, you can do so uh, with the help of our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. If you like fish sandwiches, it's fine. You can have that back there as well. If people don't know, that's a quote that Mike Leach had last week. He said, get your fat girlfriend and your fish sandwich and you're eliminating to sit under a shade tree. Because, of course... It's Mike Leach. But the best shade trees that you can have and get set for the spring can be put there by Connor Grading and Landscaping. They've been supporters of UGASports.com, specifically around the league since we started doing this show. Mike Connor, big Georgia fan, big SEC fan, just like the vibe we have on the show. You'll like the vibe they have in your backyard, whether it's the landscaping or if you want to get some patio pavers put in. Just so many options. The fire pit, I think, is what you'd like to have in your yard right now. So if you're thinking it's a good time to look at your yard, make sure it's either set for the spring or you're going to have a fun winter out there because we know it's going to be a little chillier coming up and you want to have an outdoor space that you can enjoy and still stay warm. I think they can get you set up for that. So go check them out at ConnorGrading.com. And we do thank them for their support of UGA Sports.com. All right, let's move on to our next game here. It is LSU at Arkansas. Brent, you mentioned this earlier. It's a it's a 11 a.m. Central kick, so early game. LSU, the three-point favorite on the road. What they did against Alabama, Brian Kelly, to me, has to be right there in coach of the year running because he is maximizing this roster, and now you're seeing some of these younger guys that they recruited coming in. They're, they're a special little team right now. Yeah, and for all the – you know, accent things and the video where he's doing this this number and all that sort of stuff. The dude can flat out coach. I mean, he's you look at what Daniels has done and how he's grown and how he's using them and evolved his team based upon that guy's strengths. He's now in terms of quarterbacks leading the power five in terms of rushing missed tackles forced, 10 plus yard runs, yards after contact per attempt. Like and you watch the game against Bama, and his legs won the game. Like it was completely not the last drive to go score to take the lead before Bama come back and t- came back and tie it. The play in overtime, like his legs are the difference in that team right now, and they're just playing with lots and lots of confidence. But they're just a three point favorite on the road at Arkansas, who laid an egg against Auburn's future coach. Like it's just presumptive amazing. future coach. Not let's not say that as a fact. Not true. I'm not reporting anything. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to Don't see about that on who's going to be the coach. But I, I do feel like that LSU has really used the home field to their advantage. I mean, the, the, certainly the crowd was unbelievable the other night. And that, and this crowd at Arkansas is going to kind of be either really good or maybe not good at all because all of a sudden they got the air taken out of their sails with that loss. Uh, terrible schedule for their uh you know playing BYU Cincinnati and and Liberty as and instead of a couple cupcakes I mean a ridiculous schedule but you know they they got a really tough fight now to get bowl eligible I mean all of a sudden that Missouri game with that new coach's contract they're gonna be cocked the wall coming in there and then you know they got LSU but I think Jefferson's health is really paramount here he's just been bummed up all year and then kind of a little bit lacks on trying to run with the ball because he could get hurt uh, 
but uh, this LSU defense all of a sudden with Perkins on the edge, I mean, they really are causing problems and playing with a lot of confidence because all of a sudden, and Brent and I talked about it last week, when when your offense is struggling and you're going out there and beating your head against the wall and you're looking over there and they're not doing anything, it's kind of hard to get fired up. But all of a sudden you got a quarterback that's on fire and you know if you do your job like you've been doing, now the offense is not taking care of business and uh, they're just playing at an elite level on defense as far as open field tackling, as far as breaking on the ball, not giving up big plays. Uh, I give Brian Kelly, his staff, uh, the players – I mean, they look like dog manure the first game as far as organization, poor kicking game, everything you could talk about. And then LSU looked like uh, against uh, Tennessee, looked like they hadn't even practiced. But all of a sudden, this team looks like a very confident and could be the first team in the history of football to get into the playoffs with two losses because it's out there for them. If they could mm-hmm. win out the and all of a sudden beat us in the championship game, then you're looking at – could the SEC have three teams in there? Because I think Tennessee is going to get in there. If, if, uh, if you know, you can't pick uh, Michigan with one loss with the schedule they've played. And then Ohio State, uh, if they uh, get one loss, we'll just have to see. But nobody has the wins that Tennessee has. I mean, any way you look at it, uh, the, the the outside of the, of the Georgia, of course, who has the two big wins. But. Uh, I think Tennessee's looming there is maybe a real, uh, real good chance of making the playoffs. But that doesn't mean anything about LSU, except I'm giving them love that it's on <laughs> their plate. It's on their plate. Take care of business. Don't look too much uh, gumbo this week. I tell you, Sam Pittman will have his team riled up. He's on their ass all week. How can we play this poorly and be ready to go against a team like Liberty and get behind 21 to nothing at our place? I mean, that can't happen. Anything that you've built up, they've lost now. I mean, fan support is still there, but all of a sudden, this is not the great team that everybody thought Arkansas was going to be. And I will remind you, which I've made a lot of bad picks, but I told you when the season started, Spencer Rattler will fold like an accordion, and then Arkansas is going to have a tough year, and they might not even make a bowl. And if with LSU, if there's a team that has a history of being a national champion with two losses, it's them. And sorry about West Virginia that year, Brent. Yeah, that was an unbelievable year where they <laughs> lost, they lost in the SEC championship game and still got in the I mean 2007, they, they lost right? In Tennessee, uh, uh, the last time Tennessee was really, you know, staying in football up until now. But uh, I Rod peed himself against Pitt. <laughs> around the league to be able to talk about these other teams because it really has uh, played out the, the biggest phantom that we've seen is how good Ole Miss has been losing all those players, getting the people in the transfer portal. And then Brian Kelly, who everybody say, well, it's going to take a long time. I know I talked to some there at spring practice, some pro scouts and I said, coach, they just don't have the players right now, but all of a sudden, Daniels comes in there. They're playing lights out on offense. They're getting the ball to Butte. That back is looking really good. I mean, is he a walk-on? or? A- yeah, they have a walk-on in there. there. There's two. Emery's doing his thing, but then they have the walk-on that's yeah, yeah. that smaller guy. So, uh, I saw where he and uh, Stetson Bennett are up for the Burleson Award that they give to the best walk-on player in the country. I don't know how he could be any better than uh, Stetson, but 
He doesn't care. He's got all these shirts he's selling, so it won't make any difference. <laughs> Brent, did you have anything else on uh, no. LSU Arkansas? No, I think it's it's going to be an intriguing game. Like, and and by the way, and LSU two freshman tackles. Like they're playing with, so, and Arkansas is going to going to bring it. So, could be fun. I meant to mention my friend Quinn <clears throat> brought this to my attention. This is the only week of the SEC this year where every SEC matchup is within the conference. So it's seven SEC games all playing each other. It hasn't happened this year. It won't happen again. So that's a marquee part. Get to of enjoy it. Here. Let's go to Texas A&M and Auburn. So we have Auburn who sets records for uh, biggest buyouts in the history of college football coaching and Texas A&M as the team that could topple that should they want to, although they can't and won't, or they probably could. I don't know. It's weird. What I do know is that Auburn is a two-point favorite at home coach against A&M. My, how A&M has fallen. Well, when it rains, it pours. Uh, last week, uh, I felt badly for A&M with all the kids. On, on top of the fact that their team's dwindling down, then they get all these guys get the flu. And, they, you know, you miss some guys on special teams. You miss your depth. And uh, it, it was obvious that they were a little bit shorthanded. But at the same time, I give the Gators a lot of credit. I mean, they really have uh, found themselves with using ETN more. And, uh, and of course, you got such a great player in uh, Richardson who can – you know, all of a sudden take off and go the length of the field and look like he's on uh, cruise control the way he just runs away from people. But uh, Texas A&M has just uh, got to be the El Foldo of the year, a, a team picked in the top ten. I don't know if they should have been, but uh, has got terrible play at quarterback. Their defense now can't stop anybody. I mean, their rushing defense has gone from being really good to being really bad, and – I could look at this game and see that uh, Cadillac Williams might dress out in a Halloween costume and try to say, hey, oh, Tank, Billy, Tank's getting all the shorts. Maybe I can do it too. They're running good old-fashioned tall sweep. I know Will Friend, uh, who's a good old line coach, is over there now calling the plays for them. And uh, they're, they're just hammering, talking people, and they might be able to do that against uh, A&M. But uh, a and still got a better squad. I mean, Auburn's defense is not very good. Uh, I, I just don't – can't say anything about this game except I'm exasperated about who to pick. It's, it's a coin flip. I mean, uh, maybe pick the home team. Uh, Auburn next week could lose to Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky come in there and throw the rock around on them. And then they got to play Bama in the last game. So this is really one of their biggest chances to maybe get bowl eligible with the next two wins. And then, you know, the new coach can come in there and watch them practice while they're getting ready for the bowl. I do think it will be Hugh Freeze, by the way. That's just a guess. Uh, But anyway, Cadillac. Like, I love the video. Like, they put out the video before, before the game and him talking about what it meant to be the coach and all those sort of things. And he did it. They Fought, you know, they got down 21 to nothing, I think it was, and then fought back into the game. And then they did the squib kick. I mean, I know the guy had returned one for a touchdown already in the game, but it gave them field position. They got a penalty on the kick itself. And just, you know, as opposed to walking out of there with a win, it was a fight. But, yes, this is one of those where it's who's who's going to be last? Who's going to be who's going to be the, the, low, the lowest on the totem pole in the West? The loser leaves town in a way from from a relegation standpoint. Secretly, what I hope is that Auburn wins the next three games, gets a bowl game, and they're forced to hire Cadillac because I really like Cadillac and his energy. 
and and that guy loves Auburn and it's contagious and that they've needed that. I mean, that, I mean, that him and that other coach, coolest. him and that other coach sprinting down to call the timeout and it looked like the other coach like tweaked the hammy or something. Pulling the hammy, yeah, yeah, yes. he did. And he, he had the towel on his uh, around his neck, a la Hal Mummy, the whole game. I, 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 I was something different too. Uh, if you want to make sure that you get to celebrate and have the joy that Cadillac Williams has for Auburn, maybe you have some Fiddler bourbon from ASW Distillery at your tailgate, at your house, in your backyard that Connor Grading and Landscaping can hook up for you. Check out our friends at ASW Distillery. I like the Fiddler bourbon, but you can also go with uh, a few other options. They have three or four versions of the Fiddler. You can get their resurgence uh, rye whiskey, the Bustletown vodka, or the Winterville gin just go see all that they have aswdistillery.com is where you can learn more about them or go to your local store where you buy your spirits and say i want asw because they support around the league from ugasports.com let's run through these last few games we've teased this but this is a noon game on cbs tennessee's at home 20 and a half point favorite and eli drinkwitz gets a contract extension and a raise to which i asked this question coach who was lobbying to get Eli Drinkwitz where they had to change a contract to keep him? What is this? I think it was his wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, when you look at the, uh, not only got a two, you know, extension, he got a $2 million raise. Uh, and uh, I, I saw where they extended the defensive coordinator who's, who's done a fabulous job with their defense, but their offense has been as close to pathetic as, as I've seen for a Missouri team all year, they, they've gotten, they had the one game really played pretty good against uh, South Carolina, but uh, I think drinks a good coach and he, he's done a lot of good things as assistant coach, but as a head coach, uh, he hasn't made his mark. And uh, I know a lot of people that haven't coached at Missouri. I mean, my phone usually doesn't blow up much. I mean, I don't get many texts uh, about, from Missouri. I get a lot of them from Oklahoma, but I got more from Missouri yesterday than I've had in five years. You know, like it was my fault, like I recommended them to get two more years. But, you know, I mean, people I hadn't heard from forever. I didn't even know they – I mean, maybe I could get a shirt out about my my phone because I had people hitting me up. I didn't even know I had my number. Uh, And I'm serious. I mean, You know what Stetson Bennett feels like now. This has got to be the most incredulous contract extension that I can remember in a long time. I mean, based on, I mean, maybe they've had good practices or something. I don't know. What are they doing over there? Uh, and uh, he, he's just, uh, I guess it's because they kicked field goals pretty good, they, even though they lost the one game when they missed one. But I can't be more sarcastic. This is incredible. <laughs> this lady here is supposed to be a really prolific uh, thinker and great uh, administrator. Uh, I mean, she's a laughing stock of America right now. I mean, to, to give him an extension based on what he's done, unbelievable. Coach, I hate to tell you, but I think you were in the wrong generation. You should have been a coach later on. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I enjoyed my time, but and uh, I, I tell you this, uh, Tennessee is gonna gonna rock them Saturday. You know, I think. Their defense certainly is good, but they, they don't match up very good with ten, with Tennessee on the on the outside. I mean, most of their stuff is stopping the run like they did against Kentucky against us, but 
they're going to have a hard time matching up with these uh, Tennessee receivers. And I guarantee you, Heupel's going to be going for style points the next couple of weeks against Vanderbilt. And he South needs to. Carolina. And they, they're going to they're going to try to rock it up there. So uh, I, I think this will be an ugly win for uh, an ugly loss for the new contract and a big win for Heupel. How about you? It's funny that you said something about the offense because my notes were have been inept was the word that I wrote offensively. But I will say this about Missouri and their defense in this game, independent of the ridiculousness that coaches already touched on in the perfect way. They aren't going to sit back and just relax and soft cover and not and just let kind of Tennessee do what they want. They're going to attack. They're going to blitz. They're going to come after Hendon Hooker. They're going to press up and play some play some heavy man. So I will be curious to see how Tennessee, because I noticed or I heard Tennessee's offensive coordinator talking about, hey, we just we just played bad. Well, I mean, they, coach bad too. He didn't do one thing different. <laughs> when you're getting blitz like that, move the quarterback around. Don't have him back there. I mean, they can say all they want to. Excuse me for interrupting, but hey, the, the players did all they could, but they made no adjustments. I mean. Brent and I talked about it. they kept trying to do the same stuff, thinking, "Hey, they can't keep covering us," and, and they never made any kind of protection uh, issues uh, easier for the quarterback. Uh, uh, that was a complete out coaching his ass game, but by, by Kirby Smart and his team, every way you can say. And I'm not being a homer guy there, but getting back to Missouri, I want to make this point too. A lot of times, and I don't know that this guy's got an ego, the sec, the new defensive coach there that's done a great job and he got this new contract. But if his ego gets in the way and he thinks he can run the stuff that Georgia ran against them, they could get mashed because they don't have the guys on the back end to even come close to covering these guys. They can blitz them, and if they get to him, that's one thing. But if they don't, the, those those safeties will get destroyed. Yep. I heard your well dog, said. Brent, so I, I paused it to get the comment from, from Gracie <laughs> back there. Uh, let's go to South Carolina and Florida. Florida's an eight-point favorite at home, Brent. This is one of those games, though, that if Shane Beamer finds a way, all of a sudden you look at a path and maybe eight and four on the table for South Carolina, which would be crazy because I don't think they're very good. And I think eight and four, by the way, is also on the table for Florida. Like, I, I just I like what I'm seeing week-to-week improvement-wise from Anthony Richardson and just his ability. I hadn't watched him as closely. I watched him a little bit leading up to Georgia, but now watching that game and then watching this game this week from an ability standpoint and how he throws the ball and obviously the freakish nature of his size and speed as a runner, but he, he's going to get better and better. And I could see them. What's going to be interesting though, I could see Florida winning out here even beating Florida State at the end, eight and four, and they feel great about their coach and great about the program, but they're still the – they're not – and, you know, if Anthony Richardson comes back, great, yay. But from a nuts and bolts player standpoint, they're still going to lose a lot. A lot of their best players this year were transfers from Louisiana. Like, it's not – I don't think they're going to be what maybe the record and the vibe will actually equate to. But yeah, think, South Carolina – One thing good about uh, Billy – is he's put a Band-Aid approach on this team. He's brought in enough transfers to make them competitive, and he's taken advantage of Richardson's ability. And their, their defense made some stops against a, a, a poor A&M deep, uh, offense the other day. 
uh, he still couldn't ta- tackle the tailback, but he, you know, he had a good game. But, but I, I think the thing about Richardson as a Georgia guy, I hope he comes out. I mean, I think he should. I mean, we don't need him to play next year because he continues to develop. Billy's doing a good job. South Carolina is either going to play really good or they're going to have a hard time because that, that's the way they go. When things are going good, they're really good. But when they have some adversity, I mean, they, they haven't don't have enough players, do you think, Brent, to make up for that? They just have a hard – but, you know, they got to win over Kentucky on the road, uh, which I would have never thought. And they, uh, they're just going to be playing in a really wild swamp. I think the swamps really kind of all of a sudden say, hey, we got something going here now. Let's enjoy this game. Agreed. You mentioned Kentucky. They host Vanderbilt this week, noon on the SEC Network. Kentucky is an 18-point favorite coach. and I know it's Vandy, but I don't I don't see 18 points being the margin in this. I, I would take those points for Vandy. I don't think Vandy's going to win it, but Kentucky's offensive line just makes it so easy for teams to stay with them. Vanderbilt's the worst pass-rushing team in the history of the SEC. I don't even think they have a sack this year. I mean, I know Brent will tell you they do, but they haven't gotten to the quarterback against anybody. If they could, they would on this team, though, because they're very poor. But, uh, you know, I think Kentucky just got to make sure they don't look ahead to Georgia and take care of business. Uh, they got too more ball for this Vandy team. And if, if the quarterback for Vandy's hurt, then it's a different type of approach if they if they run the zone read guy. So we'll just have to see what happens there. But uh, 18 points is a lot for Kentucky. I don't – they, they have a hard time scoring that many points, much less beating somebody by that. Called my shot last week, and then they went and turned the ball over early twice. And I was like, oh, oh well, Vandy. I believed in you, but you just didn't. it just didn't happen. But Levis got hit a bunch against Missouri last week, sacked six times and hit a bunch of other times. Chris Rod, 30, almost 30 carries. Like, they know who they are now with him back and they're going to get through this uh, this week I think and then you know we'll set up an actual bigger game next week against Georgia but oh well it was it was that was your chance Fandy I don't think you're going to get any others coach you know what Brent told me on Sunday because we were having our perpetual Will Levis first round pick conversation just because he's still like a top 10 projected pick and Brent said yeah I'd take Stetson Bennett over him for the NFL yeah well I think one thing that Stetson can do is his intelligence level is going to help him when he gets interviewed by all these people because he might not be a guy that's going to make a team as a starter, but he'd be a guy you want on your team to be a backup and uh, know the offense and get in there. And then if he gets a shot, he'll do just like he has throughout his whole career. He's a lot like this Mullen guy that uh, that Coach uh, Shanahan had, that Coach Munkin had, at, uh, and like you said, Coach Shanahan played him for. Uh, San Diego, but Munkin had a at Southern Miss, uh, you know, very good passer and very smart. So I, I just think Levis got way too much publicity right now, and not you know he's going to have to do really well to compound to be a top ten guy. The guy that's the best quarterback in the country right now is the one in UNC. He's got another year because he redshirted last year, but man, that that uh, May guy is just. Uh, just unbelievable the way he's throwing them. Wish we he's could see carrying that. them. I wish we could see the Carolina Wake Forest game. That'll probably last for three days and fourteen nights. Both teams between them will throw about a hundred passes. 
All right, final question for y'all before we wrap this week for Around the League. Will the SEC championship be clinched after this week? Meaning, Georgia has to win and it clinches. It would take an LSU win and an Ole Miss loss for the West to be clinched. You know, you can say either way. uh, It'll be hard for Ole Miss to beat Alabama. I really think that Alabama's got so many players. I I just – they'd have to lose to them, you know, and, and then LSU who, what kind of team's going to show up and then Georgia should win for sure. But uh, I, I would say it's not going to be clinched all the way. So you're going to say the East is clinched. The West is not yet. Yeah. Brent. I'm going to say yes. I think, it, I think, I think it, Georgia gets it, takes care of its business and Bama takes care of Ole Miss and LSU and, takes care of Arkansas. All right, so we'll see if we go into next week knowing that in a couple of weeks we would have Georgia LSU SEC Championship. We'll find out together. A couple big games in the SEC next week as we look ahead to that. Georgia and Kentucky, as we have mentioned. Uh, If Ole Miss is in this, they do go to Arkansas next week. So the West goes through Arkansas the next two weeks, potentially. We'll all find out together. Thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping. Thanks to ASW Distillery for supporting UGASports.com and around the league. Thank you for listening and watching, if you do that. Thanks to Jim Donnan and Brenton Rollins. I'm Dane Young. We'll see you next week here on Around the League.